0: Back in March, of course, that was uh, pre-COVID, I think I actually taught the last Sunday School class before we uh, disbanded, um, and I was able to bring a lesson on praying for our pastor. At that point, uh, Pastor Cochran was preparing to come here and uh, just sharing some things from Scripture and how we could pray for our pastor, and uh, today... I would like to share some observations from Scripture on how to pray for the church or prayer for the church. Uh, let's turn first of all to First Thessalonians chapter five, <clears throat> verses sixteen through eighteen. First Thessalonians five verses sixteen through eighteen. Paul. Uh, the author, human author of this uh, book, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Have you ever observed in your Bible reading how Paul prayed prayers that were saturated with the kingdom of God and with the riches of a spiritual life? It's very interesting uh, a study, and... Uh, I've actually looked at a book by D.A. Carson. Uh, Some of you may have heard of this book, Praying with Paul, A Call to Spiritual Reformation. Uh, He wrote uh, the first edition back in the 90s, and a more recent edition came out in 2014. But it goes through uh, the prayers of the Apostle Paul, It's a very interesting study, and we're not going to take the time to uh, look at all of the prayers, but I do want to point out a couple of these prayers uh, today, just to see how Paul is praying for the believers. So let's look, uh, first of all, at 2 Thessalonians, just another page over, uh, chapter 1 and verse 11. uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 11. It says, "...wherefore also we pray always for you." That our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. As we look at how Paul is praying for the believers, he's not praying just for superficial things, he's praying very specifically in his prayers. Um, another example, and we're, just, we're not going to take the time, like I said, to actually go into each of these prayers, but I just want to show you in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, he says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will, and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of the of God. We do, and we're going to look more in depth at how we pray for the church and how we can pray for each other, but we can see in Paul's prayers some very specific things that he is praying for the believers in each of these cases. And some of them are very deep, shall we say, spiritually, deep theologically, even in these prayers. Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 16 through 17. Just a couple of books back, we see another example. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Very interesting study as we would go through these prayers. And there's many others. Just about every single one of the epistles, we can see an example of the Apostle Paul and how he prayed for the believers. As we are examining prayer, you know, it's easy to pray for ourselves or our own needs. Uh, So often we get caught up with that. And um, it's not wrong to pray for our own needs. But many times uh, the focus stops right about here. And maybe it extends a little bit further to my wife or my children or to an immediate group of people. But we can learn how to pray with more fervor and consistency for other believers as well. And I know we have a sheet that we uh, take up prayer requests and pass out every Wednesday night. Um, The tendency, I think, sometimes is to look at that sheet and um, somebody will pray for it maybe on Wednesday night. And then we tuck it away in our Bible and we forget about those things. And these are real needs of other uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. And how are we taking those things to the throne of grace? We need to pray more deliberately for the church, the body of Christ. Not just for ourselves or our own needs, but for the needs of others in the body. How do we do that? We need to pray strategically and we're going to look in more detail at each of these, uh, praying strategically for the pastor, for members, salvation of others, and many other areas. We need to pray geographically, uh, local church body, uh, for other Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches in our city or our state, uh, in the country, and in the world. We need to pray with power, being filled with the Holy Spirit, His control as we pray. We pray in accord Uh, or in accordance with the word of God. And we need to pray continually. As we mentioned in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the initial passage, uh, verse uh, 17, pray without ceasing. What does it mean to pray without ceasing? I believe it means to be in an attitude or a spirit of prayer all the time. What should come to our mind first thing when we see somebody in distress? Prayer. Something happens in our lives. We need to pray. We need to be taking these things to God. First and foremost, we don't sit there and wring our hands and say, oh, woe is me, or oh, that poor soul, and just start talking about all the needs that are there. We need to take those things before the throne of grace, to pray continually, uh, to pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean we always go around with our Hands folded, eyes closed, we can't do that, obviously. Uh, but we always should have that attitude or spirit of prayer. The first thing that comes to our mind when we recognize the need is to pray. So how do we do that for the church? Um, I noted 18 things here, and we've got about 25, 30 minutes. Uh, don't let that scare you. Uh, 18 different points to go through here and uh, how to pray for the church. Um, We might or might not get through all of these, that's fine. Uh, But these are some observations uh, uh, as I studied this topic and how we can pray one for another and to pray better for one another. We need to pray for the unity of the church. A couple weeks ago, I brought a lesson from Philippians and talking about uh, the unity of the church, having that union uh, amongst the believers. What does it mean to pray for the unity of the church? Well, even though we are different or there's differences amongst us, uh, we are to be praying for those even that uh, have those differences. Uh, We need to be loving those with whom we have nothing in common except the gospel. Now, sometimes we have other things in common, right? Uh, Maybe uh, there's somebody else that has... Red hair in the congregation, so I have something in common with them, right? Uh, Bearded ones, I have something in common with a few of you. Uh, Auburn fans, War Eagle, we have something in common. Don't hold that against me. But maybe there's some... Oh yeah, Patriot fan too. I wasn't going to bring that up, but (laughs) didn't want to offend too many people. Um, But we have differences amongst us, right? Sometimes you might say, you know, I really don't have anything in common with that person, except that they're a believer. And so because of that fact, if nothing else, we have a lot in common, and we have to be praying for those others, uh, even those that we have differences with. Um, That requires a sense of humility, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago from Philippians chapter 2, having that spirit of humility, um, not being lifted up in pride, not uh, making a big deal about um, uh, something that I like or I want or, or that difference maybe even in my life. That is not how we promote a sense of unity. And so as we pray for one another, as we pray for the church, uh, whether it be locally or the body of Christ, We need to be praying for unity. Moving on, the second point, uh, praying for the church. How do we pray? We need to pray that a culture of disciple-making would be formed in which making disciples would be seen as a common and normal part of the Christian life. A culture of disciple-making or making disciples. That's part of the Great Commission, right? Right? Uh, teaching others to observe all these things whatsoever Christ has commanded. That's what he told his disciples. Uh, Christ gave us the example of training those that were, were with him for his years of ministry. We call them his disciples. But Christ did not stay here on this earth. He went back to heaven after uh, he accomplished his purpose of going to the cross and of uh, of being or paying the price for our sins, he did not stay dead. He rose again. He was seen by many, and then he went back to glory. He accomplished his purpose, but he left his disciples, that small group of followers uh, that uh, studied under him, and uh, he encouraged them. He exhorted them to make other disciples. And so those disciples consequently went out and won other people to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they trained them and made disciples of those, and so on and so forth until here we are today. Somebody took the gospel to you, and uh, you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You were discipled, uh, grounded in the truths of God's Word, and uh, here you are today. This is not a task that is just for the leadership. So often, I think, many people think, well, that's a responsibility for the pastor or for the deacons to make disciples. No, that's for each one of us that is a disciple or a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Each one of us has that obligation to be involved in this culture of disciple-making. That should be a normal part of the Christian life. And we need to be praying for one. that we all would be involved in this uh, culture of disciple-making. How can we pray for the local church? We also need to pray that faithful leaders would use the scriptures to train the members to do the work of the ministry. Faithful leaders that would use the word of God to train others to do the work of the ministry. Once again, it's not the responsibility of just the pastor uh, to do the work of the ministry. Uh, He trains others, and those others are helpers in the work. Sometimes I think it might be a tendency um, for certain personalities to assume too much responsibility or say, well, others can't do it like I can do it, so therefore I'm just going to do everything. No, that's not how it works in the, the local church. The pastor needs to be training others uh, to be involved in the work. And then the members need to help out in that work. So as we pray for our local church, we need to pray that we would have leaders that would use the Word of God to train uh, the members to do the work of the ministry. We also need to pray for our church that a hung- there would be a hunger to study the Word of God and the gospel, and that this would form among the members A a sense that would help each one to guide and to guard against or inside the gospel. Let me explain that a little bit better. Having spiritual discernment, as a person studies the Word of God, they have an understanding of what God wants for them in their lives, and then that person needs to obey what the Word of God says. And there also needs to be a spiritual discernment. You know, I think a lot of times people are not grounded in the doctrines and truths of God's word. And they're not reading God's word. They're not studying God's word. And along comes some uh, sense or a nuance of doctrine. And they say, well, you know, that sounds interesting. Maybe I should explore that a little bit more. Instead of uh, being grounded in God's word, then they hear that and they start going after that instead of the truths of God's word. And if a person is really studying the Word of God and understanding the truths of the gospel, uh, that will help to guide them in their lives, their spiritual lives, and it will help to guard them against false teaching that would come from without. So we need to be praying for one another in the local church that there would be that hunger to study God's Word. We need to also pray uh, for the believers in the local church that there be a transparent uh, relationship sense amongst us, that this would be normal and maintaining anonymity would be a strange thing. We're not just ships passing in the night, we have to have interaction as a body. The the Bible talks about the analogy of the body, right? That we're all different members of the body. We all have different functions, different gifts. And uh, each one is important uh, in order for the body to function as a whole. And so we're not disjointed. We're not uh, just, uh, in a sense, rubbing shoulders, but we're shoulder to shoulder in the fight, in the war, in the battle. And this requires a sense of transparency in our relationships. What does that mean? Well, it means getting to know one another a little bit better. Not just being Sunday morning only, but trying to understand or help each other out throughout the week or maybe calling or texting or emailing somebody else to encourage them. Um, Being transparent. That should be a normal thing. A relationship takes a while to, to build. It's not something that just happens overnight. It's something that takes a lot of time, investment. And uh, we need to be praying that there be those kinds of relationships in the body of Christ, especially here in this local body. As we move on, uh, we are to pray that the preaching of God's word would be correct and full of the Holy Spirit. We alluded a little bit to this earlier. The preaching of God's word would be correct. Correct. How do we know if the Word of God is correct? By studying God's Word, by having an understanding of it, right? If uh, you come to church, you don't have your Bible open, you're not following along in the Scripture as the pastor is preaching, um, he might say something and it would just go right over your head. And it's very important that we compare the Scripture with what he is is teaching and preaching. We need to pray that uh, the preaching would be full of the Holy Spirit and would be accurate. As we continue to pray for our our church, we need to pray that the leaders would be blameless, guarded from temptation, idols, and worldly things. And we could uh, trickle that down to every single member of the church. That is important to pray for. But as we think about the leaders, those that uh, are teaching and preaching the word of God and that are, are in front of the ministry, we need to be praying that they would be blameless and guarded from temptation. Why do I say that? Because I've seen over and over ministries that were destroyed or even people that turn away from God because they point a finger at a particular leader that has fallen. Satan will try to make examples of the leader's. Because he knows that if he, can, if he can destroy the leadership, that many others will look at that and say, well, that's not for me, or be disillusioned. And obviously, each one is responsible for their own uh, spiritual life uh, in, that, in that sense. They're not to be looking at others and comparing themselves with others. And obviously, when I say there are leaders that have fallen, there's tens of thousands of pastors out there that are faithful to God's word. And so we cannot just throw the baby out with the bathwater if we're just looking at one or two examples. But Satan would love to make a public example of those that are in leadership, that they would fall, that they would stumble. We need to be praying for the leaders of our church, that they would not follow after worldly things or idols would come into their lives that would take their attention away from God, putting God in first place in their lives. As we pray for our church, we need to pray also uh, that the music of the church would teach the members to confess, to lament, and weep over sin, and to worship biblically. Music is a vital part of worship. As we come before God, we're not just... Uh, paying lip service as we sing songs. We need to be uh, looking at the words and as we think on those words, when we sing those words, applying them to our lives, allowing them to affect our hearts. A lot of churches these days, I'll be totally honest, are straying from biblical worship in their music. The Music is becoming a focus on self. Or on the entertainment or the, the way that it's presented. And it's not taking the glory or giving the glory to God. And, and, and there's not that sense of, of weeping over sin or lamenting or reflecting on spiritual life. It's all reflecting on, on emotions and, and on themselves. That should not be the case. We need to pray that the music of the church would continue to help us to worship God biblically. We need to pray that the prayers of the church would be full of biblical ambition, that they would be honest and humble. As we pray in the church, um, once again... It's not just, Lord, bless this day, thank you for the weather, amen. No, obviously, we need to be more uh, scriptural in our prayers. As we are praying to God, we pray things back to God. And as we looked at Paul and his prayers, there's many uh, doctrinal things that he is praying in these prayers for the believers. And uh, these prayers are totally honest and open, uh, his will, his desire for those people. It's not... We can't come into church and pray for somebody that we don't agree with or despise and then act like everything's fine and normal and pray that God would bless them when really we want to kill them. (laughs) I I know that's extreme. But what I'm saying is our prayers need to be honest. And as we come before God, we need to be humble, and our prayers need to be full of biblical ambition, not for personal gain or personal uh, interest, but that the prayers of the church would truly um, be honest and open before God. As we continue to look at this list, we're actually down to number 10. We might get through all of them here. I'm trying not to take a lot of time in each point. We need to pray that the adult members uh, work to disciple the teenagers and the young people and not just leave them to the programs. It's so easy for uh, for maybe parents of teenagers to say, well, you know, Pastor Ben and Micah and them, they're back there working with the teens, so, you know, we'll just let them deal with all their spiritual problems. And maybe as adult members, those of us that are mature in the faith, and we might say, well, you know, the teenagers, they're just back there. We just let, let the staff take care of them. No, I think each one of us should have that interaction with the body, Just because you're 60 and they're 16 doesn't mean you can't have interaction or you shouldn't have interaction with them. You're not just ships passing in the night. Now, I know that 16-year-olds tend to be more shy and maybe not as open with an adult. And so they might walk by you sort of with their head down, but take the time to greet them or say, hey, how's it going? And if you don't know their name, get their name. Show some interest in their life especially their spiritual life. They need that. And as a group of believers uh, and adult members, we can't just leave them to the program. We need to be interacting and helping in their spiritual development as well in the body. Along those lines, we need to pray that Sunday school teachers uh, would grow in dedication to the word of God, even when no one is watching. A lot of times, a Sunday school teacher could get in in a rut, and say, well, Saturday night i got to prepare this lesson for the kids tomorrow. And they come up with a, another little story, Daniel and the lion's den, or David and Goliath, and something the kids may have heard a hundred times, and uh, just spit it back out to the kids. And the kids are just sitting there, oh, I've heard this before. No, we need to pray that even the Sunday school teachers of the little kids would show a dedication to God's word and a desire to transmit those truths to the people, the young people that they are working with and that that would affect them in their own lives uh, even when nobody is watching them. We need to pray for the local church. Pray that the church would grow to be distinct from the world in love and holiness even when dealing with people outside. Being distinct from the world. I touched a little bit on that in music. It seems like the church is uh, becoming closer and closer to the world. And we are called out of the world. The word for church in the, the Greek New Testament is ekklesia. You get the word igreja, iglesia, and other languages come almost straight from that word. It's a called out group. We're, what are we called out from? We're called out of the worldly system. Uh, we have been saved. We are part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we are we're called out. We're to be distinct from the world in love and holiness. It's not about me. The church isn't about me or what I desire for the church. It's about what God wants and how we are worshiping him and what does he desire That should always be the question that we ask. Well, what kind of music is it that I want? What kind of teaching do I want? What kind of dress standards do I want? No, it is what is pleasing most to God and uh, in his holiness. We need to pray that our church would grow to be distinct from the world, but to do it in love as well. As we pray for our church, we need to pray that members, the members would share the gospel even this week and pray that we would see more conversions. We aren't hearing a whole lot about people being saved uh, in our midst. Why is that? Are we sharing the gospel? Are we being salt and light? We need to be. That's why we're here on this earth. That's why God has placed us or allowed us to be here. People will not hear if uh, or see a difference if they don't see it in us. Many times, we need to be praying that we would be faithful in sharing the gospel. We need to be praying that the members of the church would be prepared for persecution, remembering to love and not curse their persecutors. Persecution is coming; it's uh, getting closer to us. Right? It's in California. It's on our shores. (laughs) And we've heard of some prominent pastors in recent days that have faced the persecution of the government and even fines and even threats of jail time. Those things are coming. How will we respond? Are we ready for those times of persecution? Maybe you face persecution even now if you're sharing the gospel with somebody at work. Maybe... That has caused a sense or an atmosphere in your workplace of persecution. How do you take that? Do you respond negatively to them? No, you're to respond in love and pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you. That's what Christ told us, right? So we need to obey Scripture. But we need to pray that the members would be prepared for those times that will come. Once again, we don't sit there as members and wring our hands and say, what do we do now? We're being persecuted. No, we pray for them. We pray for each other that we would be strong in the times of persecution and that God would continue to be glorified. We don't curse them that persecute us. We remember to pray for them in love. As we pray for the church, we need to pray that the hope for a political change be minimized by the hope of heaven how true that is in uh, the climate we are in right now, right? Many are uh, looking at politics and sensing a possible political change on the horizon. And as I've talked to some people, they're thinking, oh, what's going to happen to America? What's going to go down? You know, what if we have a change in presidency and change in the House and change in the Senate and all this? What's going to happen? And there's a lot of hope being placed in one person. Now, don't get me wrong, I I try to be uh, respectful of politics and do my part, I'll vote, uh, and support that which is right. But my hope for a political change should be very much minimized by my hope of an eternal life in heaven one day. I am a citizen of the United States, but I am first and foremost primarily a citizen of heaven. Uh, That's where my hope is. My hope is in the Lord, and he's in heaven preparing a place for me. And I look forward to that day. There's going to be changes uh, that will come uh, on this earth as we get closer to the end times and we see how uh, Scripture does or does not talk about certain people, groups, or countries. Uh, we, ha- we do face those realities, that those things might come. Does it mean that we like those things? Not necessarily, right? Right. Patriotism is there, but our true patriotism should be for our home in heaven. And if we're thinking about that home that is being prepared for us, we shouldn't be thinking about it just for ourselves, but for others that are lost, that need to hear the good news of salvation, to bring others into the kingdom as well. That's where our hope should be in heaven. As we pray for the church, we need to pray that the giving to the church would be faithful that it would be full of joy, consistent and sacrificial. Giving to the church doesn't mean just finances. It's giving of your time, your talents. And as we do it, it shouldn't be a sense of drudgery or obligation. Oh, I do this because I have to, because it's commanded of me, because people expect me to do that. No, we should do it full of joy, even volunteering, Whether it's uh, giving financially, we shouldn't have to be reminded uh, repetitively of the needs financially of the church. We shouldn't be able to help sustain the ministry financially. Maybe it's in the area of special music or prepared music. Pastor Crawford shouldn't have to come after people asking or almost begging people to give prepared music. If God's given you the ability to sing or play an instrument or do whatever, uh, be involved and do it with joy. Volunteer. Sometimes it may mean sacrificially, right? To those that would hear my singing, it would be a big sacrifice. (laughs) As I've sung before here. No, but each one of us needs to take advantage of the talents and to give to the church. And we need to pray for the local church. Pray that each member would truly give faithfully, full of joy, consistently, and sacrificially. We're down the last couple of points here, and there's more, I'm sure, that are out there. I just uh, These are some observations. We need to pray that the members of the church would use their careers to take the gospel to places where it has never been. Maybe you're in a workplace, and uh, you're the only believer. I had that happen when I worked in South Carolina, a small warehouse. I was the only Christian out there. And for some of those, it was quite a shock when they heard that I was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was interesting to see the change that took place uh, in their language. Or they would say something, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that, Uh, or... Just, just because they knew there was something different about me, but the opportunities I had to interact or even share the gospel with those people verbally were there. And then when one man lost his mother, uh, he hardly talked to me much throughout the, the the week. But he would come to me and ask me to pray with him, pray for his family. And I actually went to his funeral, uh, his mother's funeral. Um, he was a uh, darker-skinned gentleman. It was the first time I'd ever been to a funeral of that sort. And I was the only uh, light-skinned person in the room. It was a different experience for me. But it was an opportunity to be there and to share the love of Christ with that, that man. Do we take advantage of our workplaces uh, to be able to share the gospel? Once again, we need to be salt and light in our sphere of influence where God has placed, you, placed us. We need to pray that members uh, of the local church and the church, the body of Christ, would use their careers to take the gospel to those places as well. And then we need to pray that members would be good and do good in their workplaces, in their homes, and their schools. Praying that we would be good. That almost sounds funny, um, but it's true. And goodness, when we think about goodness, I, I relate it to godliness Are we being godly in our lives? And we need to pray for one another that we would be godly in our lives. Have the mind of Christ and not our own. And that we would be doing good in our workplaces, in our homes, in our schools. We can't be two-faced. We can't be uh, coming to church, acting one way, and then at home or in school be a totally different person. No. No. We need to pray that the members of our church would remember their testimony as they go out from this place. So this list that I uh, made up here uh, about praying for, church, for our church and praying for one another, I know this isn't an official list and there's a lot that we uh, had here. There's probably a lot more. Maybe there's something that you could think of that I didn't mention. We'll take that thing and pray for it. Pray about it for our church. The idea is for us to pray um, more intentionally for our church, not just superficially, but more intentionally, and to encourage others to do the same. How is it in your prayer life? Is it just a matter of a few minutes a day, if that, at the meals? Yes, we should be grateful for our meals, but there's a whole lot more to our lives that need prayer once again, as I mentioned earlier from First Thessalonians chapter 5, to pray without ceasing, having that attitude or that spirit of prayer. May God help us to always have that in our lives and that, we, that would show our dependency on him and not ourselves. You realize as we think about prayer, it is bringing our petitions before God, bringing our thanks to him and recognizing him for who he is. It's not about ourselves. And so often, uh, the difficulties that we run into, the, the worries that we experience, are because we've taken our focus off of God. We're looking unto ourselves for our strength and how to handle a problem or an issue. We've got to take it to Him. And how do we do that in prayer? And not just keeping it to ourselves. I think we should share those needs with others and so that others would be able to faithfully uh, take, our, take those burdens before the throne of grace. So as we go through life uh, this week, uh, even throughout the rest of this year, I know this has been a really crazy year with COVID and everything, but as we think about these things and praying for the church, praying for the members of the body of Christ, may the Lord help us uh, to take the focus off of ourselves, to put it back on him and on those that he sent his son to die for. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your love for us. We thank you for that great sacrifice that was made in Jesus Christ, leaving his home in heaven, coming to this earth, taking upon himself the form of a servant, a human, living among men, giving us an example. We thank you, as was mentioned last week, in the temptation that was faced, that even in that he did not sin, and that he gave us an example of how to uh, stand against the wiles of the devil. Lord, I pray that as we reflect upon that sacrifice that was made for us, help us, Lord, to realize that that we have been bought with a price. We do not belong to ourselves. We belong to you. And I pray, Father, as we think about this Uh, throughout this week for the members of this church, the local body that we belong to, as we reflect upon others of the body of Christ around our country, around the globe. I pray, Father, that we would truly have an attitude and a spirit of prayer. Help us, Lord, to remember to be humble, to be honest in our prayers, and to pray biblically for one another, lifting up each other before the throne of grace. Help us, Lord, to be an encouragement to one another as we stand shoulder to shoulder in the fight against sin, against Satan, against the ungodliness of this world. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to you in these things throughout this day, throughout this week, and the rest of our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.